I hope you realize we have a coffee shop on this campus. Do you know that? Do you know that? Well, I discovered the other day that we can actually have peace in the coffee shop. Can you imagine? Catch this. Change. Sorry, I don't have any money. Could you barter for your coffee? Cheap yuppie, hipster, whatever you are. Hey! Hey, Fred! Fred, you can't, you can't ring here. I was here first. Find someplace else. But this is my dad's store. I'm here every year. Every year, I know. And every year you win Best Collector. <laughs> but not this year, my friend. No, this year you have competition. That award is going to be mine. I'm going to pull out all the stops. And you can't stop my stops. <laughs> well, if you want, we can work Merry together. Merry Christmas! Oh, hello. Oh. Is that for your child, sir? Or, or did you get it for yourself? <laughs> Just kidding. No judgment. He's got some coffee. Yeah. Oh, this is trying to... Get some hungry children fed! Oh, wait, wait, no, no. Uh-uh. No, 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 you, you can't play here. Uh, you... More hipsters. What am I, in Portland? I, I mean it. Oh, excuse me, sir. Can I interest in some hungry children? Oh, wait, I mean, I'm not selling them, I'm just... Baby, you're scaring them away! Oh, no! It's not me! Jerry Garcia here! What are you... What are you giving him money? He didn't do anything! All right, you and your ironic beard have to leave. I'm trying to raise money for hungry kids, and, and you're poaching all my customers! Good King Wenceslas was down on the feast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, Demetrius and Edith, Grimey shelter, Moonlight, so the problem. Oh, get out of here! What are you giving him money for? I was the one singing! Ah! You people are the worst! Thank you. Hey, wait a minute. You're 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 not a hipster, are you? You're a oh. You need this more than I do. It's not for you. It's for the children. 
got a little carried away with the award thing, huh? I'm gonna get some water. Do you want anything? No. Thank you. Watch my stuff? Certainly. Um, Merry Christmas. Peace. Merry Christmas, Craig. Merry Christmas, Fred. With thanks to Bob Lee and the band team, the Bel Air Drama Department, we appreciate that very, very much. The sermon lesson this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 9, and we will read together verses 2 through 7. They appear on the screen. I would love to have you read this passage with me. So please, join me. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Friends, God always blesses the reading and the hearing of the Word. Thanks be to God for that. It's Christmas time, and Macy's shopping bags say, A Million Reasons to Believe. A Million Reasons to Believe. What what is it that Macy's wants us to believe? That Jesus is the Son of God? Or a million reasons to believe. Maybe they're talking about the Council of Chalcedon, 5th century, where they declared that Jesus was truly human and truly divine. Do you think that's it? A million reasons to believe. Now what they want us to believe is that you can get anything you want at Macy's and it will make your Christmas a happy time. Christians have a million reasons to believe. It was at night, it was cold, fire was burning, the shepherds were gathered around it, and they suddenly had this angel appear. Now you have to understand, these shepherds were certainly amateur astro astrologers, astronomers. They were people who paid attention to the skies. They guessed from the skies as to what was coming. And suddenly out of the sky, out of the darkness, comes this angel and says to them, I have good news for you. The Messiah has come. 
And I urge you to go and celebrate the Messiah. And you're going to find this baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And why a manger? There was no room for them in the inn. Isn't it astounding that God in His grace revealed this to shepherds? Shepherds who were outcasts, social outcasts. People who had no dignity. People who were ignorant of temple rituals. And here they are, recipients of this message concerning the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They've got one angel and they're overwhelmed and the scripture says they were not just in fear, they were terrified, terrified. And yet people familiar with the night, but terrified. And then suddenly there's a multitude, it says, of the heavenly host. What in the world does that mean? I don't have any idea what that means. A multitude of the heavenly host. What I envision is the Mormon Tabernacle Choir up there about a hundred feet up suddenly singing, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. I don't understand. Why, why didn't God send His message of peace through diplomats and secretaries of state? Why didn't God send His message of peace through peacemakers or peacekeepers? Instead of that, He sends it through these shepherds. Shepherds who smelled bad. Shepherds who had dirt under their fingernails. Shepherds who were not allowed to testify in court because they couldn't be trusted. Shepherds that stole from each other so they were known as sheep stealers. And yet God in His grace sends the message of peace. Peace on earth through shepherds. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah received this prophecy that we just read. 700 years before the birth of Jesus. The prophecy was of a flesh and blood Messiah. That it would be everlasting Father, mighty God, even Prince of Peace. That peace would be somehow personified. How in the world is that going to happen? Do you know that for thousands of years, scholars have marveled at the accuracy, at the integrity of the insights that Isaiah's prophecy gave to all of us. It is amazing how it's been preserved. And the peace that is personified is not of our doing. It is of God's doing. And the peace that is personified is a peace that we don't control. Yes, it's deliverance from tribulation. The cessation of hostilities. It's exhibited in a Nelson Mandela. It's a peace that says we are delivered from ourselves. There's a new word that has hit our vocabulary recently. It's called a selfie. Do you know what a selfie is? Yeah. It's where you take your own picture on your cell phone. You know, a selfie. Who said narcissism was dead? Little Lisa wrote a note to Santa Claus, and here's what she said. Dear Santa, I hope you're going to bring me lots of presents, even though I have been bad. Then she said, face it, Santa, nobody's perfect. Love, Lisa. Lisa had it right. Nobody's perfect. That's why we needed the Savior. 
the Prince of Peace. Isaiah was very upset with King Ahaz. That's in back of that text that you just read. He's really angry with Ahaz because Ahaz has the responsibility of caring for the people of God. And he sold the people of God out, sold them in essence to the Assyrians. And the Assyrians had complete control. They sold the people of God into captivity. And that's why in verse 4 it talks about the rod of the oppressor. The vision is really this. It's a rod, a two-handed rod, where somebody's got it on somebody's neck down on the ground. That's the image. Because you see, the people of God had lost everything. They'd lost their homes. They'd lost their land. They lost their economy. They lost their freedom. They lost their temple ritual. They lost their hope. And they lost their peace. And it's out of that, hewn out of the hard rock of adversity, you get this prophetic statement out of Isaiah. A child has been born for us. A son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And he's named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Mother Teresa, that little nun out of Skopje, Yugoslavia, taught us a whole lot about caring for humanity, showing people the love of Jesus. She was in a conversation with some diplomats. And they were talking about trying to work out peace between people who were really at war. And she said, if you're really going to address the pain in the world, this is what you need to think about. If you want them to have peace, let them meet Jesus. That's what she said. If you want them to have peace, let them meet Jesus. After the football game Thursday night, terrible game, Houston got hammered by Jacksonville, I was glad to turn to the sound of music. <laughs> and it was a gutsy call on the part of NBC to do that program live. And as you know, they used Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood is a western singer, country singer, and um, she's married to a guy named Mike Fisher, who's a favorite of mine. He's a hockey player. Just mean as dirt. But he's a Christian. And Carrie Underwood's a Christian. And as you know, there were 18 million people watched Thursday night, The Sound of Music. Carrie did a great job musically, but she got a whole lot of criticism on Facebook and Twitter over her acting ability and her southern accent, of all things. And she, and I'm telling you, friend, she really has been hammered over all of this. I, I'm sitting there thinking it was wonderful. What do I know? And yesterday she responded. And here's what she said. Plain and simple. Mean people need Jesus. Mean people need Jesus. And then she said, and I'm going to pray for these people tonight. And then she listed 1 Peter chapter 2. Mean people. Have you ever had a mean note sent your direction? I've had plenty of them. I've had some right here in this church. And if you pay me right, I won't name them. But you know what? Carrie is really right. Mean people need Jesus. 
Mother Teresa was right. If they really want to find peace, let them meet Jesus. Let me cite the facts for you. Here they are. Jesus was born in the first century in a country that was, in essence, in exile. The Romans controlled Judea. Were they cruel? Absolutely. And the Romans put a lot of pressure on the Jews. Terrible pressure. And the Jews wanted to be faithful to their calling, and here they were trying to survive under a regime that was just flat mean. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus got on a donkey and headed for Egypt. Why did they do that? You know the story of the wise men. The wise men showed up, and they were taken to King Herod. Herod had all the power. He called all the shots. He set all the screens. And Herod said, well, where is this new king of the Jews? Where is he born? And when you find out, be sure and come and tell me, because I too want to go and worship him. Sure. And then Herod decided that he wasn't going to have any more threats. Now you have to understand that Herod was part genius. He built some incredible stuff that if you go to the Holy Land today, you can still see it. In Israel, you can see the base of the Temple Mount today is a result of Herod's work. Huge stones, beautifully hewn, incredibly accurate, gigantic things. I don't know how in the world they moved them. But there they are. To this day, you can see it. You can go to a, a mountain that's called Herodian, and what he did was carve out inside the mountain and built a city inside the mountain. Incredible piece of work. You can still see the huge swimming pool outside that city. And you can see the columns where he obviously had water spraying all over the place. Absolutely incredible. You can go to Caesarea Maritimus where he built a city right on the edge of the ocean. And he created a port. He sank these great big columns 125, 150 feet into the water. How in the world did they do that? So he really was part genius. But he also was fully paranoid. Because Herod had a desire for numerous swimming pools. He obviously loved to swim. And he had a brother-in-law who was very popular. And it just so happened that brother-in-law drowned one night in one of those pools. Really. And then Herod killed his mother-in-law. He killed his mother and three of his sons. So this man was part genius and fully paranoid. And so when he heard that there might be a competitive king in town, he gave an edict. It's called the slaughter of the innocents. All the little boys under two years of age were to be killed. And that's why Mary Joseph and baby Jesus went to Egypt to escape. This was no pampered prince of peace. It was hewn out of the hard rock of adversity. You know, water is our universal solvent. Water is a universal solvent and it, it dissolves such things as acids, bases, and salts. And 92% of your blood is water. 92%. And what's fascinating about that is that your blood holds in solution about 64 substances 
And if water wasn't the solvent, there's no other solvent that would work. And if you didn't have water as a solvent in your blood, you would have sludge. And you would be toast. You know what? We walk around with the miraculous every single day and just take it all for granted. And the God that I worship can orchestrate a resurrection. The God I worship can orchestrate an incarnation. And isn't it fascinating that God chose to reveal himself in the least threatening form of life, a baby. A baby. Can a baby hurt you? No. Can a baby do very much? No. Is the baby totally dependent? Pretty much. The least threatening form of life. Yes, we are a visited planet. If you ever have witnessed a human birth, it defies explanation. You stand there and out of the womb comes this child and the fingernails are perfect. And the ears are perfect. And inside the ears are the three smallest bones in the human body. And they don't ever grow. They're just born this way. And those three little bones amplify sound with their vibrations some 20 times, and that's how we hear. It defies explanation. The God of the miraculous can give us the kind of peace we desperately need, the peace we really seek. There are truths that the brain can discover but cannot defend. And human peace is one of those. Now, question. What's the Hebrew word for peace? What's the Hebrew word for peace? These are easy questions, and there are no prizes. Shalom. Do you know that Koine Greek is what is the New Testament? Koine Greek. Koine Greek used 20 different words to interpret the shalom of the Old Testament. 20 different words. Words like freedom. Words like life. Words like forgiveness. Words like reconciliation. Words like hope. All come out of the shalom. It's wholeness. Here's my bottom line. There can be no peace without the prince. There can be no peace without the prince. If you're going to experience inner peace, you have to make things right with God. Jesus Christ is our Prince of Peace. And with all due respect to your intellect, you can ignore God, but you cannot escape God. You can ignore God, but you cannot escape God. They said, call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means save. What a gift. Back in the 60s, I had the opportunity at Princeton to hear Karl Barth. Karl Barth was a very well-known Reformed theologian back in those days. Karl Barth was invited to speak at Princeton in the beautiful Gothic chapel on that campus. And they have a very high pulpit. You have to leave in a couple of minutes for the poor guy to ascend into the pulpit. And Karl Barth was a little old boy, and he had 
thick glasses, and he climbed the stairs up into that pulpit. He finally got up there. All you could see was the top of his glasses and the top of his head. That was it. And Carl Barth, I, I will never forget, one of the things he said was, God did not become thunder. God became man. God didn't come to scare us to death. God did not become thunder. He became man. God got our attention through the incarnation. God did not hit us with an uppercut to get our attention. He became one of us. Totally vulnerable. Goodness unguarded. As fragile as a rose in winter. They asked Kate the other day, five years of age, Kate, what do you want for Christmas dinner? She said, mac and cheese in a smoothie. Well, I understand that. And then they asked Fabian, six years old, Fabian, what do you want for Christmas dinner? He said, I want a gingerbread house about the size of a microwave. No turkey for that guy. What do you want for Christmas this year? tell you what we ought to have for Christmas. We ought to be more hospitable to miracles. For Christmas, we ought to be quicker to give without calculating what we can afford. For Christmas, we ought to be readier to host the party. For Christmas, we ought to, ought to be willing to stand on a platform of peace rather than some mathematical solution. The scripture says in John 14, quoting Jesus, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It happened in Anderson, South Carolina. It was Christmas Eve. And Rich Ballinger's mother was very, very busy because... They were hosting the family for dinner on Christmas Day. She was desperately trying to get everything ready. And she still had some presents to wrap. And they wanted to make the Christmas Eve worship service at their church at 7.30. She was running a little behind on her schedule, a little frustrated. And so she knew that her shoes needed to be cleaned up. So she said to her seven-year-old son, Rich, Rich, would you be kind enough to clean my shoes? And so Rich went and got his mother's shoes. And he got the polish out, cleaned them up, and he brushed them, and then he polished them up with a rag, and he was very proud of his work, and came and presented them to his mother. And she gave it the inspection, and she said, you did a great job. Thank you very much, Rich. And she gave him a dollar. That night, Mrs. Ballinger was in church at 7.30, and while she was sitting in church, she was aware that there was something in her right shoe. And so she took her shoe off, discreetly, of course, in church, and checked it out and discovered there was a dollar bill wrapped with a little note. And on the note, she recognized her son's printing. And he said, I did it for love. I did it for love. That's why Christ came. God did it for love. Let us pray. Oh God, that you can love the likes of us is just beyond our comprehension.
that you know us and yet you care about us, that you could provide a Savior for us, all we can do is simply say thanks. Help us, O oh God, to let our thanksgiving resonate with the will of your Spirit and the guidance of your Word. May our lives be different because of our exposure to the Prince of Peace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.